Hello, welcome to the podcast of the Healing of Emotional Wounds series. My name is Alan Mulhern, and today I'm going to comment upon the style of Jungian therapy, and indeed any transpersonal therapy or ones with spiritual components. We shall pay particular attention to the transcendent function which distinguishes Jungian therapy, and which is a midway position between the ego and the self. The four-part model that was suggested last week had the stages of, firstly, comprehension and containment, secondly, analysis, thirdly, the alignment to the deep psyche, and fourthly, integration. This four-part model suggested is a generic one. There are many exceptions, and many useful things can be accomplished by psychotherapy without completing its later stages as outlined here. Understanding can be advanced, consciousness raised, and relationships improved without resort to the numinous or archetypal aspects of healing. Improved ego functioning, greater understanding of one's problems, better interpersonal relationships, greater control or moderation, all have their place in attempts to improve human character. All of these might be said to belong to the earlier stages, the containment and comprehension, and particularly the analysis. In brief, the complete individuation journey, as conceived going through the four stages, right up to integration, is an ideal to which there aren't many exceptions. It is not the sole purpose of coming to therapy. Jungian therapy, or those that have a spiritual dimension, tend to be more purposive and less reductive than more traditional psychoanalysis. They may not reduce the neurosis to childhood dynamics, but place more emphasis on the current crisis and its opportunities to reshape character so as to lead a more fruitful and fulfilled life. The unlocking of potentiality leads to the future and the next stage of development. This type of psychotherapy has a view of the psyche in which spiritual components are not to be explained away as defences, but are regarded as vital components of health. A connection to the deeper or higher self is an asset in the healing journey. Both the conscious personality and the unconscious are changed in this encounter and integration experience. The ego, the conscious perspective, and the personality components associated with it are modified by the meeting with the deeper psyche. On the other hand, the energies of the unconscious are released. The self, now recognised, is freer, and there can be a sense of joy at this experience. The shadow, the darker side of the personality, previously repressed, is now more integrated, and its energies incorporated into the ego. Other repressed or neglected components of the personality may be incorporated, and thus the psyche is more harmonious. A metaphysical, Jungian Gnostic interpretation on this point might suggest that God, roughly translated as archetype of the self, big S, and the human being, roughly translated as the ego, need one another equally. The ego needs to be transformed by the self, but the self needs the individualised, differentiated ego to know itself, to become conscious. Otherwise the self remains unconscious. This style of therapy, like all psychotherapies, in the beginning is analytic 
with its emphasis on understanding the unconscious, its complexes and dynamics. But also, and particularly in the later stages, it is synthetic, which rather aligns to the deep psyche and learns its symbolic language and metaphorical expression. So instead of analysis, which breaks things up to understand them, synthesis combines. It understands metaphor and symbol. There is a letting go, a surrendering of the dominance of ego-based consciousness. It is the alignment of the ego to the deep psyche, especially the establishing of a healthy ego-self-axis, that is the start of the transformative process. Some of the methods described later suggest that temporary suspensions of normal consciousness are beneficial in accessing the unconscious. Once this work has begun, it is the integration of the material from the unconscious that provides the new viewpoint, energy and vision leading to the reform of the ego. The above-mentioned four stages are presented as sequential for the purposes of clarity of exposition. There are many exceptions to it. However, all stages should be developed by one means or another, otherwise the healing and individuation process is unbalanced or incomplete. For example, particularly gifted individuals are contacting the deep unconscious. By neglecting their analysis, the shadow elements of their character in particular are likely to get into trouble later on in their development, as these elements return to trip them up. If at any point the psychotherapy falters or stagnates, it is useful for the therapist to ask at which of the above stages the problem lies and then seek solutions appropriate to that stage. Psychotherapy with a spiritual dimension involves all four stages of psychotherapy, the early ones being preparatory and foundational for later progress. As presented here, such psychotherapy has transpersonal or spiritual potential. The deep psyche has both higher, spiritual, and lower, instinctual components. An integrative approach involves both ends of the psychic spectrum, which need one another for an experience of wholeness to occur. To contact the spiritual energies of the psyche, it is vital to listen to the inner world, to be in touch with what it is trying to communicate. Such listening is intense connectedness. The transcendent function is presented by Jung as the union of the conscious with the unconscious. He outlines two broad methodologies, the analytic and the synthetic again, locating the latter in the second half of the work. In his essay on the transcendent function, Jung poses two practical questions. Firstly, how does the practitioner help the patient overcome the gap between the unconscious and consciousness? Secondly, having accessed the contents of the unconscious, what is the best way of working with them? Jung used various techniques to contact the unconscious, for example, dream analysis. But secondly, he also recommended highly that the patient immerses themselves in the emotional complex so that a process of active imagination could begin. Now, dream analysis, I'll just say a few words on because we'll talk about this and give examples of it later. But of course, Jung's method includes a highly symbolic approach in which the contents of the dreams symbolise important elements of the dreamer's life, particularly in big dreams or significant dreams or in dreams which are repetitive with themes coming up again and again, sometimes many years of a dreamer's life. 
it's important to understand the symbolic nature of the psyche. And this is akin to the symbolic work of fairy tales or even mythology. And it is the language of the unconscious to work symbolically, to present a story, a narrative, an image. For example, an image of a house, which the dreamer is discovering new rooms, would represent symbolically the discovery of new parts of their own psyche, for example. Secondly, the compensatory nature of dreams is stressed by the Jungian analysis. That is, that dreams tend to compensate for the conscious attitude. Somebody may think everything's going very nicely in their lives, but the dream may compensate for this and say, well, actually, you're neglecting certain things. You think this is harmless, but in fact, it is dangerous. Thirdly, the Jungian style is prospective rather than reductive. That doesn't mean that the Jungian does not analyse in terms of original family dynamics, but they tend to see the future being expressed in the dreams, not necessarily in a predictive way, but in the process of individuation, then this appears in the dreams. There is a moral function, an individuation process, which is developing throughout the dreamer's life. We'll deal more with dreams later, but a few words of advice on it. The interpretation of dreams is greatly facilitated by the experience of interpreting one's own over many years. This applies to therapists and clients. Keeping dream diaries and listening to an experienced analyst interpret them also to confirm or to correct or to help one in one's own interpretation. The style of interpretation is once again a combination of the analytic and the synthetic. So there's the analytic components in which things are understood. But at the same time, there is a synthetic process by which there's a letting go and a combining of different elements, often in an unusual way. So, for example, if I'm totally stuck in a dream or haven't a clue about it, I tend to suspend my analytic function, stop trying to think what it means, trying to dig out the symbolic significance, trying to understand the symbols, and I tend to circle around it. I admit that I don't understand the dream to the client, and I start from a position of ignorance, and that can be an advantage, particularly with a dream which is obscure. And then one talks roughly around it, or one asks for associations from the client, or one asks the client to talk in a loose manner about some element of it. And indeed, if the client doesn't get very far with that method, then sometimes I will take a turn in speaking loosely about various components of the dream. Loosening up, letting go, circling around tends to be a very useful process on difficult dreams. And I find almost invariably that by so doing, the meaning of the dream suddenly reveals itself, or the clue reveals itself, and one has that feeling of, ah yes, this is important. Often it's something obscure, but contradictory, or paradoxical, but highly interesting. And following that through, one finds the clue to the dream world. Of particular importance in the work most of us do in dreams as therapists, and I certainly find to be the case, people who record their dreams over many years tend to have certain themes, motifs, are repeated throughout the dreamer's dream series. And this tends to be an effort by the unconscious, by the self, by the director within, who's creating the dream narratives, to get a message being delivered, as it were, like a letter is being delivered, to the dreamer. 
And when the dream is intense and makes a breakthrough into consciousness, and one is, wakes up in the middle of the night, for example, these dreams are usually intense and very significant, an attempt by the unconscious to break through into consciousness and communicate something. So the interpretation of repetitive dreams is very important. For example, somebody might dream that they are lost and can't find their way home and are stranded in airports abroad or their ship doesn't arrive at port or the plane gets stuck on mid-journey. And the symbol of this might mean that the person doesn't find their real home inside of themselves. The dream would be using the symbol of the journey and the attempt to get home as a narrative and as a symbol for not finding oneself in one's true home symbolically, spiritually, experientially inside of oneself. So the dreams are using symbols, they're compensating, they have a perspective function, they look to the future trying to sort things out for the dreamer, so to speak, trying to help the dreamer forward. They have a moral function of their own, which is not the same as a moral function in normal ethics or religions, but it has to do with the individuation process. As I say, more on this later on this important topic. But we'll move on to the second method that Jung recommends in the Transcendent Function essay. He recommends a descent into the unconscious. Quote, In the intensity of the emotional disturbance itself lies the value, the energy, which one should have at one's disposal in order to remedy the state of reduced adaption. Unquote. So the client brings intense emotional disturbance to the therapy. And that emotional disturbance has the energy within it. Somewhere in that lies a pathway forward. And somewhere within the problem of the emotional disturbance, there will be an answer or a way forward, as he says, to remedy the state of reduced adaption, which is the disturbance, which is causing a bad adaption to social relationships or at work. And so it's tackling the emotional disturbance head on. Nothing is achieved, he says, by repressing this state or devaluing it rationally. The emotional disturbance must be highly valued and must be gone into. One must be as conscious as possible of the mood one is in, sinking into it without reserve. Fantasy must be allowed the freest possible play. The whole procedure is a kind of enrichment and clarification of the affect of the emotion. This work, Jung continues, by itself can have a favourable and vitalising influence. This is the beginning of the transcendent function, of the collaboration of the conscious and unconscious data. So it begins with the emotion, it begins by going into the emotion, treating it very seriously, elaborating it, allowing it to express itself fully, and that's the beginning of the process itself. Often it's accompanied by a cathartic reaction. Young further recommends hypnagogic methods by which voices can be heard or images seen that elaborate the contents of the unconscious. Now this may sound a little strange to people, particularly those who are highly conscious and verbal and like things analysed, but the hypnagogic methods are really like trance states. And before you think that's something very weird, like trance states are very common indeed. People often go into them watching screens. They go into light trance states, listening to music, seeing films. But it's a switching off of the ego. And this switching off of the ego is very important at this stage of the therapy. 
because it allows people to sink into themselves. They close their eyes, they concentrate on their breathing, like in meditation actually. But then they concentrate upon the emotion which they have expressed earlier on. And by that means, an awareness and a, a greater contact with the unconscious affect emotion is facilitated. We will also explore that more later, since it's a very important method. Young's answer to the second question of how to work with these contents once they've been elicited, once the unconscious has been contacted and released all kinds of information and images and feelings, is that it requires a balance between their creative elaboration and the development of their meaning. By which he means, one explores them, one elaborates them in a creative manner, looks at the associations to them, ponders them, allow them to express themselves more. And then one also, at the same time, considers their meaning, not in a narrow analytic way, but in the way that's been suggested by the contents themselves. As this process happens, this is a dual process, Jung insists, in which the ego, which has been in abeyance up to this point, in the initial contact with all this emotion, one just, as it were, descends into it. One's not thinking or interpreting it. This ego now is brought in with equal importance to the unconscious. Its position and attitude now becomes part of the equation, and there is a meeting between the two opposites of consciousness and the deep psyche. So the process of therapy is a balance between contacting and eliciting the contents of the unconscious and working with this in a creative manner, developing and understanding and facilitating the meaning that lies in these unconscious contents or contents of the deep psyche, I prefer to call it. And therefore the analytic understanding is facilitated, is brought back into the picture at this point. And so you have the consciousness and the ego on the one hand and the deep psyche on the other, engaging in creative interaction. The confrontation with the unconscious, as Jung calls it, the dialogue with the inner archetypal figures at the core of complexes, is a major method of this process. In other words, one elaborates the emotion and then one often finds figures or voices or strong images, or indeed, in Jung's case, archetypal figures, he frequently reported at the core of these complexes. So within the complex, there's this archetypal core which wants to express itself. Somebody may have intense anger. The anger needs to be expressed in the therapy, it needs to be elaborated. And one often finds that within the complex of anger, there's other voices speaking. So for example, if a person went into the light trance state, they may find that within the anger, there is a child crying. Well, the task of therapy is not just to analyse that quickly, it's to allow the child who is crying within the anger to speak, to express their feelings and to communicate to the ego, the conscious position of the sufferer. The therapist should be able to help in this process. Jung says the shuttling to and fro of arguments and affects, emotions and consciousness, represents the transcendent function of opposites. Such techniques led to the method of active imagination, since essentially they involve not passive observation of the contents of the unconscious, but a direct relationship with them. The Red Book, with Jung's personal revelations of his inner struggle, makes clear that an active dialogue with the figures from the inner world was his favoured method 
along with dream analysis. This is his method of contacting and engaging the unconscious. These figures, which are encountered within the complexes and in the unconscious, could be talked to, even challenged. And the inner world is regarded as totally real and the ego can engage in a creative dialogue with the soul. The later stages of analysis involve then the activation of what Jung called the transcendent function. If one thinks of the client's pre-therapy position as one in which the ego and self are at two ends of an axis, through which there is little communication, and upon which the centre of the personality is located in the camp of the ego, then a fruitful post-therapy situation is one in which this axis between ego and self conscious and unconscious, is now far more alive to the interaction between ego and the self. It is a healthy axis upon which the centre of the personality is located somewhere in between these two positions. The new centre of awareness, this position in between, is the transcendent function. It can listen to both positions, though identifying with neither. It can transcend the position of the ego and can build a ladder to the self. It's the task of the therapist to represent the transcendent function, to develop this in the client, so that the client can listen to her deep unconscious, to connect with her ego, and to have an active relationship between these two, which is fruitful and leads to her development. The transcendent function, therefore, represents a middle position between the ego and the unconscious a capacity to listen to both positions, though identifying with neither. The unconscious, instead of being viewed as a repressive storehouse, became rather an inner guiding system which transmits messages via symbols, which are akin to those in fairy tales, dreams and mythology. This is a new synthetic, rather than just analytic, method of working with the unconscious, and was therefore distinct from the psychoanalytic tradition. I remember a significant dream of a client who told of being shown two figures, baby modules, that is modular connections, which are linked together, as it were as a DNA strands. And he was told that these two children, or babies, were his. And he picked up the first, and it was a male child. And then he picked up the second, and it was a female. And as he put this female close to him, his heart expanded, and he was aware that this modular DNA child, and which was his, was transmitting to the cosmos, or receiving transmission from the cosmos. A two-way process, a transcendent function, in the terms we've just been using. And he felt this to be hugely transformative, that he could be connected in such a way through these universal, archetypal components that lay within him. The unconscious, therefore, is not simply a place where the contents of our past lie. It is also where our future is potentialised. I hope you found this podcast informative. Our next podcast will be on the relationship between the client and the therapist in the deep psyche. I look forward to talking to you then.